Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This is me today on Discord, but with my nice uh, nice microphone this time. I had to pull out my nice microphone because today our friend Sean is on the show. Sean from uh, Advent of Computing, the best podcast about computers out there. Been oh, on the I, show previously. I don't know if I'd go that far, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> shut up. I know I would. You're <laughs> well, the expert. You. Everything. And today, as tomorrow is my birthday, and this is probably when it comes out, today we're going to talk about tanks. Because for once, this war has shown that uh, it's not just drones that have computers in them, because drones are like the very new thing of warfare. But um, I did a, did a bit of time studying tanks for myself. Because, you know, my, my old phone was called, uh, you know, in Bluetooth, it was called M1A1 Abrams Kami Killer. The new one is Leopard A27A Bloodthirster. Just saying. Because I have uh, a It's not blood, American you know. metal, though, Kristaps. It's German steel from Krupp <laughs> and everything. Yeah, tanks these days are much more than T-34s of World War II. And mm-hmm. there's a difference because it makes a real difference in, in the battlefield as well. Listeners of my show have noticed that on the front lines, Russians like Russians love to post pictures and videos about that they have destroyed a leopard. The problem with that is that leopard is still a, an assault tank, and those things are vulnerable to death and just fighting up because it's a leopard, an assault tank. Of course, it's gonna be blown up. I mean, and the differences between all these tanks and what's happening in there. It's not just about, you know, the armor. Do you have reactive armor or do you have a better gun or anything? It's all about fire control computers, by the way, these days. And the thing that I well, invited to Sean on this one is because I watched a Russian a military expert discussing how T-90 tank, for example, has a worse capability of firing while moving than an Abrams tank. So... I didn't even understand how much does this impact the battlefield and everything. But I thought this would be interesting because that's about computers. Because those things do a lot of things. And most of them have been ripped off from Russian tanks anyway, which is fun. But uh, if there's anything related to computers and, and computing, then obviously we have the number one expert on the field here, Sean. 
And if you haven't checked out his show, please do. Advent of Computing is, like I said, the best podcast about the history of computers. So listening to that is mandatory, obviously. But uh, welcome, Sean. What's up? What have you been doing since last time we spoke? I presume you have done much more academic research than I have because you are, you know, you're actually competent. Ah, I'm just lucky. Yeah. <laughs> On occasion. I, I've been hanging out. I've been doing pretty well. Yeah, like you were saying, Kristaps, it's first of all, to, to preface, I'm not a tank expert. I am Mr. Computer Man. Um, so I've kind of gone through when you put out the, the call for tank help and done a little bit of background research so I can be an expert for the day. But yeah, like like you were saying, everything's kind of computerized nowadays. It's kind of, I guess you'd say the promise of the digital revolution has been everything gets a little computer in that. And in terms of warfare, that means besides all the fancy new stuff, we also have tanks, which are relatively old technology getting packed with a lot of digital tech to make them better. It's not just about like, how big is the shiny computer in your death machine? There's a lot of logistics that go into it that really differentiate things. I noticed this one thing that I, that I know is the, the thing that was mentioned by, again, the military expert on the Russian side is mm-hmm. a guy called Arkady. He used to do things about cars. And he likes all the technology things. He also, by the way, made me interested in how Biden's armored car works. He spoke about how easy is it to input data and in these mm-hmm. things in the fire control computer. For example, Russians have to input elevation manually. That's like 10 seconds. And 10 seconds in a firing like battle situation is a lot. Meanwhile, I know that Abrams tanks read this information automatically. The ease of input. The other like the weird missing piece in the T90s I've been reading about is... They don't have a lot of environmental sensors that feed directly into their fire control systems. So mm. with Abrams fire control systems, they have temperature, ambient pressure. I think they might even have humidity. They feed a lot of environmental data into their control. I know that Russian tanks have to. Well, unless you count Armata, but I still do not and believe that T-14 Armata even exists. I have seen one of those things. It's I don't know even like which day of the war it is, but we still haven't seen any of them at all anywhere i just don't believe they exist they're technically supposed to have those but on the most modern russian tank t90 yeah you have to input all this data manually you read it from like a thing that gives it off to you there's a crewman that really has to like input it very quickly with a keyboard in the computer which is ridiculous if you think about it that's a not not good situation to be in i I believe is the technical term (laughs) what kind of strikes me about that whole thing is with computers user interfacing is Kind of a big deal. It kind of really limits what a computer can do. And if you have to be punching in numbers on like a nine key, that that's going to slow you down a lot, especially if you need to make like snap decisions. Also, I have been inside a tank and been on a tank. When the tank is driving and moving, it's, uh, you know, tanks usually, they're not the most comfiest things to be in. Let mm-hmm. me just tell you that. It's all bumpy and they're usually not driving on roads. It was hard for me to take pictures while I was on a tank, specifically on a place where I was put on to be told to make pictures. And I couldn't even make good photos. How are you supposed to be in one with all the noise and everything and then type normally? Uh, I have no idea. Well, you'd assume that there's some training, hopefully, to do that. Put you in a shaking box and make you type out numbers really quick. It's kind of like <laughs> what they made you do in like, uh, third grade in, in like a uh, computer class. Oh, yeah, typing typing. without looking at the keyboard. Except in Russia, they make you do it while driving. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what really bothers me is, what does the fire computer actually do? 
like what's the solution there like does it calculate things yeah. i mean it's a gun right i understand what armor does and what the caliber of the smoothbore cannon which tanks usually have do mm -hmm. what can be computerized and how does this even work how does firing a tank cannon work modern day army tanks so when it comes to fire control that's actually kind of one of the classic computer problems is how to fire a big gun like unironically that's where a lot of computing research starts out back in like 30s and 40s really early analog computers were specifically built for making these fire tables which were used for artillery pieces it's a you know given a range given maybe wind speed and shear how you're supposed to aim your gun to hit a target and when world war ii happened there was a big call out to develop quicker um, electronic computers specifically to make bigger firing control tables at that point it was still really manual so in the modern day, though, we have that integrated, right? Because, you know, ENIAC old analog machines are pretty big. You're not going to put like maybe a five or 10 ton computer in a tank. But now that we have microprocessors, you can do that really easily. So instead of using these manual fire control tables, it's all wired into sensor packs and the actual controls and optics that are used on the tanks. So the big point of onboard fire control computers for these tanks, the Abrams and the T90s and the current generation, are for dealing with bumps in the road, for dealing with how high the actual turret, the gun, needs to be elevated to hit a target at a given range, and also dealing with calculating lead angle. So how far ahead you need to shoot depending on how fast the target's moving relative to the tank. And that's all handled, for the most part, automatically. There is a little bit of rigmarole with, for instance, the user interfacing that's kind of interesting. But that, that's like the gist, is these computers are just sitting in a bay on the tank. They take in as much data about the relative position of the tank and the target, and then they figure out how you're supposed to fire to hit that target. I mean, those computers, they must be robust, right? I mean, I use an organized phone, oh, yeah. and, I, and I know that my phone, for example, like its technical specs are much lower than the newest iPhone, but mm -hmm. it can like survive being smashed by a hammer. I mean, so I don't quality. know. <laughs> I don't know a lot about the physical implementation of the T90 ballistic computers. It's a thing. I'm just wanted to say that it's probably more basic than your desktop computer because I can only speak about drones. I've become pretty good with these FPV things. Whenever I see uh, like uh, these FPV drones striking a target, I know that they're using Betaflight firmware because mm -hmm. every FPV drone uses Betaflight firmware. I just recognize it automatically. It's like everyone uses the same thing except like very few fringe cases. It's not like DJI stuff. It's, it's all better flight. And it's very kind of analog. It's very basic. It's very robust. It's all yeah, wired that's what into you need for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So in the Abrams tanks, they have separate computer systems for handling fire control versus things like blue force tracking and comms. Okay, what's the that? Sorry, explain <laughs> that to me. All right. So blue force tracking is something that American and European tanks have that Russian tanks only kind of have. So in American tanks, specifically like the brand name Blue Force Tracking, are these systems that are able to track the GPS location of friendly tanks, and they feed that up via satellite uplink and point-to-point -point radio. It goes into the central system that shows up on a screen for the tank commander that shows where friendlies are and where you are on a topographic map. So you're able to, you know, prevent friendly fire is the big point of that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, look, look, the Russian yeah. army probably doesn't give a shit about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the Russian version of that uses a packet 
radio, which I have concerns about the the effectiveness of that, I will say. It's it's concerning. So the the American Blue Force tracking uses a combination of line of sight radio, which is UHF. So it's relatively high frequency and satellite uplink. So it's robust. There's some nice backup redundancy there. The Russian version uses a packet radio system that's short wave. So it's, I think, like three to 30 megahertz, it's which a, is it's like AM, AM radio, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just above AM. It's a very, very not good. You can block it with like a couple of trees. The radio that they're using, it's just a string of numbers. It's the R16350K. Says it has like a 250 kilometer range, but that's line of sight. And it can also be blocked by things like, you know, sunspots. What? Which is concerning. (laughs) Wait, what? What? Well, this is this is kind of like a, there was a running gag. If you if you know about Luna twenty five, you know the 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 crashed the moon landing thing. Mm. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. There is a joke on Russian internet that it was blocked by the curvature of the moon. Oh jeez, I, I hope that's not accurate. Up. I mean, like uh, the interesting the interesting part is that what this does is Russian computer is less reliable on getting information and is less reliable on transmitting stuff through distances. As far as I get it, yes, I'm that, trying to tra- I'm trying to translate accurate. computer scientist to human. Why? That, that is an important service. Yeah, the, so the packet switching radios that they use, in theory, you can network with them, which is like actually cool technology, because if you have one of these packet radios on a T90 that's in range of another T90 that's equipped with a packet radio, they can relay to a third more distant T90. So you can build up this like tank network, which is fine as long as those tanks stay in formation and stay, you know, in existence, but it, I don't know, it kind of rustles my jimmies to imagine a situation where like one of the relaying tanks gets blown up and you lose calm over the battlefield. That that concerns me a lot. That seems really not good. Uh, what's really not good is the fact that we know that Russian side is complaining the most about the lack of uh, communications devices, which are secure. They oftentimes mm-hmm. use their even like they, they use their basic cell phones to just call each other because they're yeah, that's comms and, ra- and radios are like so bad that I highly doubt that their advanced computing systems on those very few T90s that they actually use because currently they're down to T54 uh, 37s. Yeah, man, um, I'm not so sure about the fact that's that's happening there. On paper, I mean, T90 looks pretty nice if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, on paper. But uh, when we talk about Abrams tanks, there was this, because I didn't understand that part, because apparently the Abrams tanks that the United States gave Ukraine, they had like some systems taken out of them because they were like afraid of giving them to the enemy side, which is Russians. But Interesting. Uh, like, yeah, do you maybe know what, what would be like the secret part that would be taken out from this Abrams tank? I'm not entirely sure because so a lot of the specs on Abram tanks are actually pretty accessible. Like you can find service manuals for some of the components. Mm-hmm. The comms that they use specifically are FBCB2, I think is the acronym they use. It's this satellite and radio comm that's actually just like a Linux computer with I'm guessing it's a software defined radio. So it's like a high-tech radio that feeds into a computer system. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if Abrams tanks actually runs its comms through through Oracle systems. That would be because possible. Because ev- everything runs its comms through Oracle these days. <laughs> but that's I don't... A, that's, that's, a very, hmm. that's a very nerdy joke, though. <laughs> the best I can pull off <laughs> these days. I can't what? imagine they take out the comm systems, and I, I don't think they take out the GPS. It, Merle says it's mostly the very classified armor. That would like, make a lot of sense, actually. I could see that. 
I don't know. Like another thing is that's with the fire control systems is the fact that Russians are currently having a lot of issues dealing with artillery systems. And high mm-hmm. have made a real impact because when I spoke to the guys on the ground in Ukraine, I didn't speak with high guys. I spoke with the uh, French uh, 777, these guys. Mm-hmm. They basically are given coordinates, then they unpack and fire a couple of shots and then they leave. And that's done in about six minutes. Because currently 10 minutes is considered the death zone for Russia. The Russian channels are stating that if you stay in one place for 10 minutes while firing, you're dead. Because Ukrainians just catch you. And it's very, very difficult to fire precisely and just be that quick. You need a lot of training. Now, well, and you also need good communication networks, which Russians kind don't of have. Lacking, yeah. I mean, uh, still, civilian drones are still used in this war and a lot of FPV things, which is bizarre because uh, my company, iFlight, you know, the, the guys that I get my mm-hmm. own drones from, they got into a bit of pickle because apparently Russians bought through Kyrgyzstan somehow through third parties, a bunch of their drones. It was just a bit weird. Hello there, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Eastern Border. Dear Patreons, thank you more than ever for supporting our show. Your donations are crucial to keep us going, and right now all of your money is going to securing good information for you and to fund Kristov's actual real-life mission to Ukraine to report to you live about the war that is going on there. Also, we would like to use this opportunity to urge you to donate to other organizations that are helping people escape Ukraine safely and to defend the country for those who decide to stay on the ground. One such organization we would like to highlight is the Defending Ukraine Together Come Back Alive movement. Launched in 2014, the Come Back Alive became the biggest organization providing support to the armed forces of Ukraine. You can donate directly from their webpage, comebackalive.in.ua. Remember that no donation is too small. In this situation, every dollar matters, every cent matters. If you're uncomfortable with giving money to war, they do have a position on their website that they are providing Ukrainian army with laptops, lights, photo equipment, cables, and is not purely military. Perhaps that might change your mind, but remember you can also donate to strictly humanitarian organizations such as the Red Cross and others that are helping people escape Ukraine safely. Please also keep following us on social media for all of your latest updates on Eastern Border on places like Twitter and Facebook. Keep listening, keep yourself informed. That's all from me now. See you online. What I don't know, by the way, is the how does these computing systems and everything, do they have some sort of radar scanners in there for like, because mines are a big issue. Is, is, is Abrams Tanks prepared to fight against mines? Like, can it spot mines somehow? I don't know. Maybe it's science fiction technology. That's but a darn good question. I don't believe so. In my reading, I haven't found any, any big features about spotting mines. Um, I think if that was something that existed, it would be a headline kind mm. of thing. Okay, um, okay. What's the biggest difference that you spotted, by the way, between T-90 and, and the Abrams? Oh, oh you, you're going to like this. So okay. prepare. On the T-90... Those tanks technically have better night vision capabilities than American tanks, right? Like on paper. T-90s have FLIR infrared cameras, which are better than the older generation of infrared cameras that M1s use. But he- here's the thing, Kristaps. Do you want to know how, how the fancy, really nice third generation FLIR cameras are interfaced inside the tank cockpit? Okay. They use a little separate screen. What? Yeah. What? Right? 
What is so? That? Yeah. So during the day, you get your tank sight. You get to actually look in an optic. But once it gets dark, oh, no, you got to sit back in your little chair and you have a little display screen that shows your night vision. It's great. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, and but so you look in your night vision and then you have to adjust your main aiming thing that actually aims it. What? Yeah, by a little screen, a little computer display instead of your actual optic that you normally use. Whereas in the in the M1s, the night vision is technically worse, but it goes through the same optic. So you don't have to, like, you know, fiddle fuck around with how you're targeting your tank, for lack of a better expression. Oh, uh, OK, this sounds this sounds very rushed. I mean, um, I think, I so think they try to fix it on Abrams tanks, by the way, sorry, on, on Armata tanks. But um, mm -hmm. this is something that I found out about Armata as well. I was researching this. The reason why they actually don't have any is because it was like too expensive. Because Russia always used to work on the sense that they didn't have the best tanks, but they had like 90% of the American capabilities for like 50% of the price. So like the T-74s and then the, all the Stalin tanks, like they were worse than the American analogs, but they were much cheaper. So the Soviet Union could have like more of them. That'll yeah, work. But the problem is that Armata was built on a different thing because currently, uh, this is why I always say that um, Soviet Union was actually a more, actually a better functioning country than modern day Russia, which is surprising if you think about it, but it's true. Because Armata managed to get so over budget because every little corruption piece had to be involved in this. It was like, a, it's an example of corruption. And check this out. Armatas even had like working toilet systems in them. Oh, wow. That, and that'd be better than diapers. Toilet systems working. Yeah, but you, you don't go to the bathroom while you're in a battle situation. You drive no. back to get ammo and then you do that. But the toilets, each, each of the toilets cost $180,000. It also just seems like it would weigh down your tank. Like, how fast yeah. are you going to be going if you have, you know, a, a full tank mm. um, inside the tank? The only, the only problem with the Abrams tanks that I actually saw in the technical side was the fact that uh, the early versions at least didn't use diesel engines. They have this jet thing, which means that you can't hide behind the tank. You have to be on the sides of it if you're infantry mm, yeah. and falling back on it because the back gets very, very hot. It's more kind of easily changeable because you're supposed to kind of not even repair, just pull out the engine, put a new one in. Mm -hmm. Like a Sega cartridge, basically, which is, an, which is a very stupid joke. But yeah, that again, field repairs have been a massive thing. And, and that's the mm -hmm. big, big stuff because other thing about computers... I know that a lot of these fire systems from these advanced Russian tanks, they have been like just pulled out and sold to the highest bidder in the black market. The question is, who would want to buy such a system? Like, where else can you use this fire computing fire computer? So that's actually a very interesting aspect of T90s. They use a modular design. Once again, the specs aren't quite as open as the American specs are, but the Russian tanks are modular. So that's one of the reasons that the night optic is on a separate display instead of integrated into the day site um, mm -hmm. is that it's a module that gets installed. Um, and the radio system also is a module that gets installed and is actually reused on a lot of other Russian, not tanks, but a lot of other armored vehicles. The same goes with actually some of the comm systems in the Abrams tanks. But mm -hmm. my gut feeling is the computers are probably also modular because they are like separate line item listings when you look through the specs for T90s. I'm willing to bet that there's something else you can put those computers in. My Google Foo just isn't powerful enough to find the Russian web information about that. But that would be an interesting line of research, I think. I mean, I mean, I know that they sell them on the black market. They, they probably also out. have gold in them, now that I think about it. 
trolley, maybe. Yeah. Well, because so a lot of hmm, a lot of electronics do have gold. A lot of platinum too, because again, uh, yeah. a, a friend of mine managed to get those. Uh, I have a friend who uh, I won't mention by name here, <laughs> but 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 you all know him. A secret friend. A secret friend who is not audits. It is mm-hmm. not audits specifically. I, I can tell you that uh, because when Vice, uh, when Vice basically did a documentary, the old Good Vice, the documentary mm-hmm. about Baikonur Cosmodrome, and they noticed that oh look, Buran's there. Well, my friend grabbed some of his friends and they went over there and screwed off some some motherboards from uh, the Buran. So I have seen Buran motherboards. In, if you come to Latvia, I'll show you. I'll introduce you even to my friend. I got it. That you got that it might now, be in the cards. <laughs> but. but like, Someone they makes have a, a good point in the chat that there yeah. are foreign operators of T90s that might want those computers. Mm. Foreign operators as well. I mean, there's a difference. Is there a difference between the American M1A1s or, or M1A2s and, for example, uh, like the tanks that are given to other countries? And also, yeah. I want I there should check- be a difference in exports. Mm. You really think so? Like, I always wonder what's not included there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, I know with the export T90s, they have different digital systems. I didn't look super deep into that because I don't imagine that the Russian forces in Ukraine are using export model T90s, although I Mm -hmm. could be very wrong. They might be buying some back or something shady. But the American tanks, though, I'm not entirely sure either. I know someone was saying in the chat that there's armor differences. Um, And that wouldn't surprise me because I know the Fed boys are kind of covetous of the fancy coatings on a lot of their military technology. You'd be surprised. My listeners, a lot of them are in the military. We're going to pay attention to chat a bit later. Don't worry about it. It's fine. They're smarter than us in all these cases. Oh, yes. Very much so. I'm I'm an expert for the day. (laughs) No, no, dude. You you truly make great, great stuff. The problem is that I wonder what's what's what the computer thinks is this is mostly touching planes, though, but I think tanks have the same issue because mm-hmm. currently Ukraine has problems of training with F-16s because you need to know English to fly them. Oh, I don't know why, though, nice. but, but they really need to know. And they lack, a, you know, and you also have to be like a good fighter pilot. So mm-hmm. being a good fighter pilot on a MiG and then like knowing English at the same time, a bit of a different issue here. I think maybe maybe like the systems inside of, a, of an Abrams tank that are given to Ukraine and they also like the biggest issue there is that they also have a mishmash of tanks right now they have like a French mm-hmm. ones which are like with wheels even which is just bizarre uh, and then they have Abrams tanks and now they have like leopards and everything but like how do you deal with this I think I think that a lot of time is spent actually by just t- teaching Ukrainians English because th- that would make yeah. sense 
I mean, I know at least the like the calm panels and the blue force tracking from the unclassified photos that you can find online. That's all in English. But once again, it, they are actually using Linux for part of that, which does have robust translation packages. So in theory, you could install a nice patch and fix that. But I don't know what kind of funding there would be for that kind of work. That is actually something else that it sounds very interesting to look into. I mean, you're now just basically hitting on future episodes that we're going to do with you, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always happy to be a consultant. The worst part is that, okay, we've, we've been looking at T90s, which is the most best. The premium one. Offer. Well, premium one of models. the T90s is the premium model. They're currently using T54s and T60s on both sides actively, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the T54 simply just doesn't even have a firing computer. I'm not sure. (laughs) That is something else that concerns me. So one of of the things that I kept running into is Mm -hmm. all the nice specs are for T90Ms, which are the newest T90 models. Mm -hmm. But those are easy to identify because they don't have the big red dazzlers on the front. But a lot of the like combat photos that I've been seeing coming out of Ukraine show T90s with the big dazzlers, which means they don't have any of the like really fancy computer systems or really safe armor. It's also a, a big mark against the, the Russians logistically, I think. Yeah, but they do have a lot of them. That's the problem here. The big issue here with, with the Russian side, as far as I know, is the fact that they just the maintenance is terrible. Mm-hmm. I also really think that, you know, what's the level of knowledge to operate the computer systems on these tanks? Because apparently, you know, if I would go to a tank, even like an Abrams tank, and I wouldn't know what's going on there without training. Because, you know, let, let's, let's be real. Most of the Russian soldiers don't have enough training. So mm-hmm. was the training necessary, like if you look at the situation, I mean, was the training necessary to operate these systems and to fire accurately on the move? How easy it's is to use them? Some. So I've watched a bunch of videos of people going through uh, virtualized trainings for M1s, and it seems actually like relatively intuitive. Like I think I could probably sit down in one and maybe hit a barn. So for the computerized tracking on an M1, all you have to do is you sit down at your site with the controls for moving the turret. You find the site, you hit it with a laser, which gets the range finding, and that's all automatic. You just hit a button, it shines a laser off your target, and it calculates the range, which adjusts the site for you. Then all you have to do is track the target for a few seconds, at which point the computer locks on to the movement for the target to do lead time. Then once you feel like shooting it, you just hit the fire button. So it's like a three-step operation. I'm sure it's more difficult in practice, but it seems really convenient and easy because the computer handles all the sensors the t90s i haven't been able to find cushy training videos but oh because there probably aren't any yeah more more than likely christophs but just the aspect of having to manually enter in information for the firing computer that adds a level of training that it, it complicates things oh that's a big thing that i hear and like i'm, I'm gonna switch this to political aspects right now mm-hmm. i just i just know that the people who are actually motivated and who have done this training and who have been very much on the forefront of the Russian side, like the fanatical guys, the guys who actually believe in the cause of glorious Russia, right? They've all been Prigozhin fans and Girkin fans. It's not a good time to be a Prigozhin fan or a Girkin fan today in Russia. Yeah, pretty low stock from what I understand. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a very specific type of humor that you have there, comrade. No, but like... It's a big issue because, again, you have to speak about motivation. You have to speak about how 
how these guys, because there is some training necessary. And, and we know that these guys are definitely the guys who are motivated, the guys who are working hard for it, the guys who actually, you know, are believing in all this stupid propaganda nonsense. They're, they're not into that that much. And I wonder how many, this is the sad part now, because you know, there's some mobilized guys just driving this tank because he was taught how to drive this tank back in, in like early 2000s, some other cheaper tank or whatever. And now they're all dying because like, we might make jokes, but in the end of the day, it's still, you know, deaths of people out there. Lots of people dead, which is pretty sad. Well, there's also the reality the Russian military is fielding pretty substandard equipment. They're, they're death traps at a certain level. Um, yeah, dude, I, I, I have seen so many destroyed Russian tanks. And I know that the biggest issue is that if they're hit from the top, they're, they just explode instantly because of their yeah, the auto loader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can you speak about that if you, if, you, if you know something more about that than I do? Because I only know that auto loader is bad. I do not know how. It's a so the problem with it, from what I understand, is that all of the shells are kept directly below the turret in a big moving magazine so that from the limited amount of knowledge I have isn't super well armored, especially from below. So rolling over a mine would be particularly dangerous. The autoloader systems also are notorious for jamming, and it also vastly limits the kinds of shells that T90 specifically can fire because they have to fit physically into the auto loader. So even if the turret or the gun can take a bigger shell, it might not fit in the loader. So you don't get a bigger shell with the M1s. They just have a rack behind the crew that has all of the shells in it, which is more heavily armored and it's kept off the ground. So sounds at least kinda, it seems sounds a little kinda, sounds, kinda, sounds kind of silly for the less, uh, less technological option to be actually a safer one. Right. Like, that's the thing. It's um, it kind of reminded me about the the story about American astronauts and NASA developing pins that could work in microgravity and the cosmonauts just using pencils. Oh, no, that's that's a fake, by the way. Is because it? Oh, I know that's a fake. I love because, that story, though. Yeah, but that's bullshit. I want to cover that one here. Uh, NASA didn't use pencils because pencils use graphene. And if graphene breaks, it could actually cause a fire hazard on the whole ship. Uh, this is why also the Soviets also never used pencils. And what did they use? Did they use quill pens? That'd they, be cooler. Yeah. They, they used also the very special pens that they stole from Americans. Pencils nice. are just, pencils <laughs> are not, pencil, th- that is a very dumb thing. Pencils are very, very, like the graphene in them, I think it's called graphene, maybe not, I don't know. The thing that you write. Graphite. About, yeah. Graphite, sorry. My English is not very good, comrade. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the thing is that the thing is that really, yeah, you can't use pens. Like NASA is not. This is the thing that Russians sell this all all the time. This is about like one of those dumb Americans jokes. But honestly speaking, yeah, you can't really use those. You can't use pencils in space because if they break, if anything breaks off, you know, if you break off your your end of your pencil, which is easy to do, then you mm-hmm. have tiny little super sharp shards which are extremely flammable running around your 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 spaceship. You're, you're ruining the the myth of early space, Kristoff. I'm so sad now. What do you mean? I'm ruining. Like, uh, even Russians figured that one out. This is why Russians also <laughs> never use pencils. That's a fucking myth invaded by Putin's Russia, who has nothing to do with space exploration. I, I'm a guy that I, I hate the Soviet Union with terrible passion, but you know, we all were there, and I, I respect the Soviet Union for what it did. Some things it did well, but the problem is, if you look at it closely, most of the good things Soviet Union did, like launching a man into space and winning this early space race, you know, with mm-hmm. Sputnik and everything, it wasn't done by Russians. It was done by Ukrainians and, and, and Belarusians and like 
people who not have like if you look at all the best people like all the guys who achieved something in the Soviet Union yeah none of them are Russians interesting well I, I look forward <laughs> to the episode on the the pencil lie that sounds oh man that's that's not, like that's, that's just a, that's just like a tiny little story I mean come on mm-hmm. it's just that uh, a little thing which I find annoying because I'm a historian after all yeah yeah no I, I, I feel yeah. <laughs> it's one of those stupid things because again this is one of those myths that keep being perpetrated by the russian side to show you know how the stupid american does not know anything and that's kind of silly because again look at everything happening it's sometimes quite the opposite in the soviet era what, what i see here is that in the soviet era russians really you know russians soviets all of us there was a solution made out there that we were going to make cheaper products but just much more of them and we sacrificed mm-hmm. our people's well-being for that Right now, even that is not an option. We have to compete with the Americans. Like, uh, Russia has to compete with the Americans. And they want to make the most high-end products ever, but they're all like, everything's corrupt, and everything's terrible, and everything just, you know, is, is just... On paper, it looks nice, but then it doesn't because it doesn't work, and it always fails at the most, most important moment. Yeah, there's a failure in logistics. That kind, of, that kind of makes sense. At any rate, uh, yeah, if... if I think I think we can like move on to to our uh, chat questions here. So if any of you have any questions, please unmute yourself and ask some because we're doing this on my Discord and I hope the quality is going to be like Ooh. not horrible. I want to know if they're going to do this. Luxembourg and Spy said Slava Ukraine. Uh, I agree with Geroim Slava. Smirtsvaragam as usual. But but if you have any questions to our friend Sean, please uh, plop in. We have some people leaving. I think that's Sean. I'll answer is. any question about PHP you have. It'll be great. About PHP? Ugh, Why? It's an awful programming language. Okay, that, that was random, but we'll leave this one in. What's with PHP? Oh, it's just, it's not super good. It's too old and like everyone uses it for server software nowadays. I was just surprised that everyone still uses Python. I thought that was old. Oh, yeah. Well, it, that's the new new in sciences lately. Or at least in the last 10 years, people have really been adopting it. You, I'm sorry, this is an awful tangent. No, you show, know show, the show, reason. Come on, go on. It's fine. It's fine. Look, it's fine. Really, we have like so Python. many nerds yeah. listening to this show that they actually want to hear about Python and your thoughts <laughs> on it. So it's fine. All right. Well, the the reason that Python is so big in the sciences is it is it has a nice graphing library, so it's easy to make a pretty graph. That's it. The, the, the what now? <laughs> come on, it can't be true. No, that that's one of the big reasons. Back when I was an undergrad and doing research, that was one of the big reasons that everyone's like. Oh, yeah, you got to use Python. It's like, well, is it because it's fast? No. Is it because it's particularly good at math? No, but it makes nice little graphs real quick, which it does. Pretty nice. Well, I, the cook, when, when I was growing up in the early 2000s, I thought C++ was all the rage. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, less so. In, so the, the thing with the sciences is a lot of people need a language that's accessible, and Python's really accessible. It's easy to learn, easy to use. Sat on life in chat says that she has a free Python course set up for next week. Oh, yeah. It's a really good skill to know because a lot of people do want to use Python. I mean, at least it's not JavaScript. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to use that, too. Oh, <laughs> what don't you use? Like, um, okay, here you get to advertise your question. podcast a bit. What do you do in your everyday life besides podcasting and, and what's up? Well, besides podcasting, I work at a a podcast hosting company. So I'm, I'm embedded in the biz. I uh, write statistics software that's a mix of Python, PHP, JavaScript, 
MongoDB, MySQL. It's all kinds of stuff. I, I just write software that pulls together data for clients, basically. That sounded so boring. It sounds boring on paper. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> I suppose so. No, like all my programming languages uh, begin and end with Visual Basic 6. So, oh, no. and now I do DuckyScript. I just threw out a VB script book. I, I remember trying to learn that back in the day. Oh, man. I just don't really understand much about like software. I'm, I'm a hardware guy. I do soldering and all, all those good things. So Now, that's mystifying to me. I'm, as a software nerd, hardware is always a little bit over my head. Oh, uh, man. Like, you, you haven't lived until you have like uh, uh, fixed a MacBook that's been like sitting in, in, a, in a pool for two weeks and then it has been pulled out and then you kind of fix it and then you feel good about yourself. Hell yeah. That, I would feel good if I was able to do that. <laughs> yeah, but I code it all. So that's the thing. Like I said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is why we have Sean here. He's the master programmer. And we have a question, by the way, Pizza Goblin. Any new weapons that have been cleared for shipment to Ukraine that you're particularly excited about, interested in? Uh, what was the JDBLS, the bombs thing? I kind of don't get it because like they're aviation bombs that can be launched from the ground. I am not exactly sure or an expert on what's the difference between the aviation bomb explosive capabilities versus a missile explosive capabilities. So that's a bit of a thing. It's just that a bit weird. So that's that's mind. Do you have anything interesting that you're you're, you're wondering about, Ukraine, Sean? Oh, um, I only get my news from Eastern Border. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have another question. Like, what does the software stack look like on tanks? Is it just a embedded software? Yeah. So from what I can tell, the actual firing control computers are embedded code. So I kind of suspect that the specific specs aren't very public, but I really suspect they're microcontrollers of some sort. I know that companies like AT Mega do produce radiation hardened microcontrollers, for instance. So that would not surprise me at all. The actual COM packages that are used on American tanks are all Linux. They're probably using, once again, they don't say the distro. I think it's probably a real-time version of Linux. I, I don't think Fedora. that's embedded, though. I believe it's Fedora, because mm-hmm. I love Fedora. Fedora? That would be nice, but I, I bet they're using real-time Linux because they have to deal with actual packet data coming in from radio systems. And normal, this is such a tangent, but normal um, on, multitasking. It's, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Look, you're, you're in the eastern border. It's fine. All right. Well, here's the tangent. Normal multitasking systems use preemptive multitasking, which is good for users, but it's not consistent. So if you like, for instance, ask a radio uplink for a package, you might not get back in time to execute and grab that package. So for a lot of systems that deal with communications or machinery, you use a real time kernel, which instead of doing preemptive multitasking and just switching between tasks as the computer sees fit. You switch in really regimented increments, so you have guarantees that, oh, if I ask for a packet of data from the serial link, then I know that my task won't get suspended until I'm done, which I I think you'd need that for these kinds of comm systems. I totally did not understand anything you just spoke about, but it's fine. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's special software. No, I'm not that good at that. I'm not good. I'm good at wiring things up. That's what I. That's what I know. But 
Hell yeah. Joe gets me. Joe gets you. Joe gets you. My man. No, we have we have a lot of people here that actually can understand you. I am sadly lacking in knowledge about these matters. I shall have to educate myself, which is not going to be through like brilliant or some other thing because <laughs> I, I can recommend the advent of computing podcast. Oh yeah, please do, please do, please do. By the way, uh, uh, sell your show to people while while you're still here. Yeah, the reason I'm on here is because Christops enjoys the advent of computing podcast, which is my show about the history of computing technology which it's kind of a mix of looking at the history of computing, but also it teaches a lot about computer science through the lens of history. Uh, we have a question, by the way. Joe, again, our Luxembourg spy, he's the only Luxembourger that we have on the show, by the way. That's already 10% of their population, I think, asked, do tanks collect and send telemetry anywhere? What does it look like? The answer is yes. They well, they're Quite obviously, though, but... So it depends on what kind of communication setups they have. M1 tanks, because they have Blue Force tracking that uses satellite comms, they can actually send data back to a ground-based control station. So you could have a bunker filled with computers or even like someone back in the States gleaning information from the tanks. From what I understand, they send kind of a ping. So it says, oh, this is my tank here's the serial number here's who's on board here's where i am here's what i'm doing here's how much ammo i have how much fuel that kind of information the t90s since they do their packet thing from what i've been able to gather you can have something designated as a command tank or a control tank which will collect information over packet radio from nearby tanks and centralize that that, though, since they don't have long-range comms, doesn't get centralized in, like, a ground facility anywhere. It's on the go with their uh, platoon or battalion or however they're organized for the action. Mm. We have people writing in the comments here, uh, actively typing, I suppose, very quickly. They're going to get past my information. No, no, it's fine. Uh, when can we do away with the crew altogether and see drone versus drone tanks? Oh, that would be cool. I, I don't know. I am all for Robots 2030. Robots 2030 is like, I'm voting for that. The flesh is weak. Bring on the metal. Oh, the metal is strong. I hope that would be soon. That would be kind of wild. But I bet there's like ethical and logistical reasons. Because there's I mean, ethical, ethical questions. Come on, dude. Who uh, come on. Remote controlled death robots. That seems that seems perfectly fine. Of course. I mean, dude. If they're all remote controlled death robots. That would probably be fine, actually. I mean, AI versus AI battles are, are the future of the battlefield anyways, I think. Yeah. It's just that at one point, I think, I think it's going to be like, you still need boots on the ground. You need someone to plant the flag. You can't really claim to control the territory if there isn't like a your dude planting the flag in the ground anyways. But well, that's think, why the Americans went to the moon, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, plant the plastic flag in there? Yeah. Well, I suppose. Okay. I've been to Kennedy Museum, uh, so I, I saw the whole <laughs> thing there. What a question. Do you know how anything about whole blue tracker avoid being intercepted or localized? I know a little bit about that. So since it's SATCOM, they're operating over higher frequencies. So I think they're in microwave range, which you, you could intercept that. It's just a little harder than like a shortwave. You can use a, a radio set to do that. So it's a little bit of security through obscurity. But the blue force tracking is 
using Linux, which means they can use public-private key encryption, which is known to be relatively secure. It's hard to break that kind of encryption. Once again, I'm speculating wildly here, but they're using Linux for a reason, and I can only assume that is partly so they can have actual, like, honest-to-goodness encryption for security. Look, to those of you who don't know, if you're a serious company, you're using Linux. Yeah, it's just you gotta. Or, or Unix or, or something of that sort, because, yeah, you really gotta. Also, uh, Sean here is a fellow Flipper enjoyer. I, I have mine right here on my we desk. Are. I use it to open all kinds of things in my home. I, I also have one. I, I use it to switch off political advertisements on the street. Nice. I, I need to get an antenna for mine so I can start gleaning car information from folk. Huh? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> it's like um, this is a uh, hackerman information. <laughs> Those of you who know, <laughs> you know, well, we, we, I won't explain shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> man thanks for being here i think we've been like uh, on on this for about an hour or something and i'm gonna take one last question when once subtle life finishes typing and then we can wrap this whole thing up and i hope that oh no she just posted keep the thing away from me thank you <laughs> automatically deciding death robots we like automatically look 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 uh, subtle knife, subtle knife. You, you're in the wrong wrong discussion here me and sean we're all for automatically deciding death robots the more as long as they're killing other automatically deciding death robots. Oh no, I'm not that moral. I'm fine. Oh jeez. I'll, I'll stay away from your death robots then, Christophs. My death robots can beat up your death robots with one left hand because my death robots work on coal. <laughs> Imagine all the torque. <laughs> oh nice look uh, really really glad glad to have you out here shot and uh honestly speaking i didn't even know that what, what this blue force was and everything and i'm really glad you're on and everyone go check out advent of computing again my favorite episode of all time is one about, one about zork oh uh, yeah i always advertised that one that was that was a great episode because zork is a true true history thing something well, that there's you so much there's so much like interesting detail about how it was programmed in that episode that I found out about. It's yeah, let's get because look, I, I that was really a bizarre like part. Like I'm, I'm not a software guy myself, but I, I know about Zork because it's one of the very first mm -hmm. computer games ever. The tricks and the decisions that the, the team made that was insane. It's like yeah. crazy, and I, I love this. And and Sean has much better podcasting ones than I do. That's another bonus. <laughs> so well, please go, thank you. <laughs> no, please go, please go check out Sean and. Uh, well, as usual, as always, remember, happiness is mandatory. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.